new additions into their families, little ones that are going to participate in a child dedication. But I just want to share a couple of thoughts um, before we do that about what is child dedication. Um, what it really is is three things. Um, it's probably more than that, but we talk about uh, three uh, aspects of child dedication. And the first one is just a really obvious one. It's just that we take a moment to joyfully recognize and celebrate that every child is a gift from God. It's what Psalm 127.3 says. It says, Behold, children are a heritage from the Lord. The fruit of the womb is a reward. And so, really, the reason for joy, every child in every birth circumstance is an inherited gift, is what the Scriptures say. And today, these parents are going to be saying, and we're going to join them, their parents are saying, we receive this child as a precious gift from you like they already have, but reaffirming it before God, they're going to protect and steward this gift that has been entrusted to them, and we're going to say amen to that. Amen. We agree. Secondly, child dedication is really about parents and their commitment to follow and obey God. Deuteronomy 6, 4-9 is a really important text for parents it's where the great command is given, but it's also where God says to parents to make sure that your kids also absorb the content of the great command and to do it, whatever it takes to do that. The great command is love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And so what these parents are committing to is that they're going to do that in front of their kids in a way that their kids will also want to love God with their heart, soul, mind, and strength, putting Christ at the center of their lives, in their home, in their world. And as they do, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year, imperfectly, of course, but persistently, they're committing to do that to the best of their ability so that their kids might also notice what God's like, want to respond to the gospel, and begin to follow Jesus themselves. So that's what these parents are going to be uh, uh, committing themselves to. And then thirdly, it's a vow made between God, these parents, and in this instance, before their church. Ecclesiastes 5.5 5 says it's better to not vow than make a vow and not keep it. Vows are voluntary. You, you don't have to take them. It's something you say, I want to do. I choose to do, so I think about my wedding vows, I chose to make those to Andrea. I didn't have to make those to Andrea. Similar here. These parents don't have to do this. They're just choosing to say, I want to make this commitment before God, before my church family, before some extended family, in partnership with my local church. And so if you want to join them in that, if this is your church, if you're a member at Cottonwood, you're, I'll invite you to do that. If you're a friend or a family member, there'll be a moment that I'll ask if you want to support these parents as well. Um, and you can do that as well. So that's what child dedication is. I'm going to invite the parents and their little ones up. It is John and Ariel Sandvik and their little one, Kala Allen. You guys can come make your way up. And the other, um, the other family is Brad and Kaylin and their little one, Owen Clark. I think they're here. There they are. And Owen is how you say it, by the way. The spelling's up there, but just so you know, Owen is how you pronounce that. And did I say Calorite or is it right? Okay, great. I meant to ask that ahead of time. So if you guys want to stand over here, that'd be great. 
Beautiful little one. So this is Brad and Kaylin and Owen Clark. And this is John and Ariel and Calla Allen. So what I'm going to do is I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask you parents um, to do your part. And after I say this vow, um, you can say we do in response. And then I'm going to turn to you all. I'm actually going to ask you to stand at that point. And then I'm going to say what you can also enter into to support these parents as they make this vow, and then we'll pray one more time. So Brad and Kaylin are bringing Owen Clark to be dedicated to God, and John and Ariel, you're bringing Callan Allen to be dedicated to God. Do you vow together before God Almighty and this church and these witnesses that you will raise your child in a way that pleases God by instructing and training your child in God's word, by introducing your child to Christ's love and their need for salvation, by being an example of godliness in your home and in your marriage, by protecting your child from evil influences, by staying committed to the fellowship of believers within the church, and above all, by keeping Christ at the center of your lives. If so, please say, we do. Wonderful. Now, if you want to stand, church, friends, and family, members of Cottonwood Community Church, these parents bring their children here to be dedicated to God. Do you, as their church family, commit to surround them with love, grace, and truth of Christ? Will you stand with these parents in prayer, speak the truth and love into their lives, serve them in humility, and encourage them in God's word. Do you receive these children as a blessing from the Lord and commit to come alongside them and encourage these parents as you have opportunity in their efforts to raise their children to love and follow Christ? If so, please say, we do. We do. Let's pray. God, parent, we pray for these parents, Brad and Kaylin, for John and Ariel. God, I pray that you would bless them and I pray for their children. God, I pray that you would bless them cause them to flourish, to shine your smiling face down on them in this generation right here that we see before us, and for many, even thousands to follow. Would you keep them and lead them by and with and in your abundant grace and peace? In your name we pray, Jesus. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you, guys. Congratulations. Here you go. Congratulations. Okay, we're going to move into the next portion of our service this morning. And if you do want to get a picture of this, by the way, there's some stuff in the way, so come right on stage and get a really good shot if you want one. All right. Baptism time. A couple of verses I'd like to share. And through these verses, we gather the uh, mandate for baptism, the message for baptism, and the mode of baptism. First is Matthew 28, 19 and 20. Therefore, Jesus said, and make disciples of all the nations baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things I command you, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. 
That is the mandate. Jesus said, make disciples, and the first step of discipleship is baptism. We have a couple of folks getting baptized here today. Then in Romans chapter 6, it says, Therefore we were buried with him through baptism into death, that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. The message of baptism is identification with Jesus Christ. Just as he died, was buried, and rose again, that, that's what happens internally, spiritually, when we come to Jesus Christ. And baptism is, uh, water baptism is a portrayal of that. It doesn't save, doesn't wash away sins, but it's a portrayal of what has already happened in the hearts of these two who, are, who have already come to Christ and are getting baptized today. And the mode of baptism, of course, is water, as everybody knows. Bapt- the, word, the Greek word for baptism literally means to immerse or submerge. And so these two are going to go all the way under, identifying with Christ in his death, and then up again, identifying with him in his resurrection. And without further ado, our first baptizee happens to be my grandson from Alexandria, Thomas Peter Matson. He's here, uh, of course, with his, my daughter, his mom, and the rest of their family, and a bunch of aunts and uncles and cousins who are all here. They chose to have him get baptized here. And he has honored me by asking me to do his baptizing. It didn't hurt that I promised to pay for his college education <laughs> and a down payment on his first house that he ever buys too. So uh, Thomas Peter Madsen. Hello, my name is Tom. I am nine years old and the oldest of four kids, two boys, two girls. When I was five years old, my brother was gained a discipline, and I realized that that was me sometimes too. So I prayed to receive Jesus in my heart and repented of my sins. Then the Holy Spirit came into my heart. The prayer was something like this. Dear Jesus, I know I am a sinner. Please come into my heart and wash away my sins. Amen. At the dinner table that night, my family and I read Bible verses that talk about how sin leads to death and eternity away from God. But Jesus died on the cross for our sins to save us and give us eternal life. My favorite salvation verse is Romans 5.8, but God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Now that Christ is in my life, I am able to calm down better when my siblings bother me. Sometimes I still get upset, but the Holy Spirit helps me control my anger when I do. My favorite life verse is Psalm 46, verse 1. God's my refuge and strength and ever-present help in trouble. I want to get baptized because it is an outward expression of showing my faith in Jesus Christ and because Jesus got baptized by John the Baptist. I want to follow his example and be obedient to him.
Next is Conrad Smith. Morning, church. Uh, my name is Conrad Smith. Uh, my family and I have been attending Cottonwood for almost two years. Uh, before coming to Christ, I lived a life that was um, full of sinful activities uh, while I was also trying to be a good person and yet experiencing extraordinary adversity. Uh, I battled multiple issues, both with uh, people and internally in myself and my actions that led to greatly strained relationships and a very negative view of who I was. I fought extreme anxiety, depression, and an outlook that was never positive. I felt like Job sitting on an ash heap and completely understood when he stated in Job 3.25, for what I fear comes upon me and what I dread befalls me. I'm not at ease, nor am I quiet. I'm not at rest, but turmoil comes. The difference was that Job was blameless in the eyes of God for his turmoil. I was the cause of much of my own. If not directly, then in the ways that I dealt with turmoil, faithless and without hope. I believed in a God and the person of who Jesus was to a point, but was not what I would call a Christian believer or a godly man in any sense. This was my daily life. My journey to Christ, whom all of our lives are incomplete without, would be an unexpected adventure through what I thought was a chance meeting and friendship with my physical therapist and a shared interest in board gaming, I was introduced to a group of men that actually are Christians and that live Christ-driven lives. Unfortunately, I was introduced as a fine Christian man, which I know was not on the inside. Experiencing the love and joy that these now dear friends showed to me and my family made me want to change and to seek a more fulfilling life. I was missing something in life and found that something was a living relationship with God. I reached out to an old teacher and friend of mine, Ron, who, knew, who I knew was also a pastor, and he led me through a discipleship that showed me what would mean to sacrifice my old life to a new one that would open my heart to receiving Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior and what it would mean to devote myself fully as a follower of Christ. Ron shared with me Isaiah 12, 1 through 3. Then you will say on that day, I will give thanks to you, O Lord, for although you were angry with me, your anger is turned away, and you comfort me. Behold, God is my salvation. I will trust and not be afraid, for the Lord God is my strength and song, and he has become my salvation. Therefore, you will joylessly draw water from the springs of salvation. And showing completeness in Christ, Jesus talking with the Pharisee Nicodemus in John 3, 5, Jesus answered, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. On Friday, February 3rd of this year, while visiting with Ron and his wife, Joanne, in Texas, I prayed with them both and accepted Jesus Christ into my heart as my personal Savior. I'd like to thank my parents, Scott and Sherry Smith, for introducing me to God and Jesus, those influential Christian friends, Kirk, Craig, and of course, Pat, for showing me what a Christian life actually looks like, and Ron and Joanne Braley for helping me to open my heart to Jesus Christ. And I'd like to thank my family for sticking with me through those times of my self-imposed adversity and negativity. Paul tells us in 2 Corinthians 5.17, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creature. The old things passed away. Behold, new things have come. I repent of my sinful self that I was and my many transgressions 
And with prayer and heartfelt supplication, ask the Lord the ability to show all those around me the life of and purpose of Jesus Christ through my own actions going forward. I want to be baptized today because the transforming power of Jesus Christ lives in my heart. And I want to die to sin and rise anew. And I want to show that the power of change and need to be like Christ to everyone around me always as a living testimony. Thank you. Great. That was amazing. Amen. We're going to share communion this morning. Sarah shared a children's sermon. I'm sure you benefited from that. It's really fun to celebrate together. Next week, you know, as I was thinking about this service, I thought, you know, next week is it's Holy Week. Next Sunday's Palm Sunday. We'll be celebrating with palm branches just like the crowds did when Jesus entered Jerusalem. They waved and laid down palm branches. So kids, you'll get to wave those around. And kids, teachers, I'm sorry, you'll have to deal with palm branches in your classes. <laughs> but then what happens is by the end of the week, the king that was getting celebrated has a sign over his head that does say King of the Jews as he's dying on a cross. Not that pretty of a cross. Probably not. Most definitely not. And really what we celebrate in baptism is Good Friday happening, death by symbolically going under the water like you would do if you were buried. You'd go underneath the ground. And resurrection, Easter Sunday, a couple days later. And what we're recognizing in baptism is that these people have entered into the death of Christ because Jesus died for them. They're going to die to their former life, and they're going to be raised up again to new life. In uh, Romans 6, 8 through 10, just a few verses after that verse that was shared about baptism, burial, and raising up again. Here's what we read in verses 8 through 10 of Romans chapter 6. Now, if we died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him because we know that Christ, 
having been raised from the dead, will not die again. Death no longer rules over him. For the death he died, he died for sins once for all. For the life he lives, he lives to God. And we get to do that too if we put our trust in Christ. And what we remember in communion is that it required his body to be broken, which is what the bread symbolizes. It required his blood to be shed, which is what the grape juice symbolizes, so that we would have the chance to live forever with him. So we're going to share communion. You are welcome to join with us. You don't have to be a member of our church. If you follow Jesus, if he's your savior, please join us in remembering the sacrifice that opened the door for us to be a part of his family and have resurrection life. Um, there'll be two tables. There's, uh, you can come to whichever line is the shortest, and then we'll, um, we'll close with the song. But if you would bow with me, I'll pray, and then we'll come and share communion. Jesus, thank you. Thank you that we have a reason to celebrate today. Thank you that our real reason that we have to celebrate is found in you because of your entrance into the world, the life you lived, which was perfect, the death you died, which was unjustified, made it possible for us to be counted with your righteousness. It's like an exchange. I'll change my track record for yours, Jesus. That's what you offer. Thanks that you offered your body to be broken. Thanks that you offered your blood to be shed so that we could also experience life with you in eternity. And we take a moment to remember you with this small meal to remember you as our Savior. We, we thank you for doing that, and we recognize and remember you today, Jesus. In your name I pray, amen. And if you want to start in the front on this side, come on.